Well, okay, as as a you know slight addendum, addendum whatever postscript to Return of the Living Dead three on July third, mm-hmm. uh, the the uh, movie rental store slash theater vidiots in Eagle Rock, California, uh, around they tried to do oh with previews they came out the close to it, but they were trying to to show Return of the Living Dead on July third almost exactly at five thirty p.m. Um, Ah, so I went and saw that. So we talked about, maybe I think it was right afterward. I don't know if we said it on the episode or not, but both of us are just like, man, we really want to fucking watch Return of the Living Dead after recording the episode about the third one. And, and you I, did it. I did it a couple of days later. Yeah, I got to go see it in theaters. And I saw it back in October, the New Beverly, which was a terrible experience. It was full of just like people yelling at the screen and you know, saying jokes before they happened and like fanboys and, like yourself. Yeah, exactly. God, but you know, much worse versions of, of me. Yeah. But this one <laughs> really great screening. They did the whole thing before and like, Oh, who hasn't seen this before? And like, I kind of, you know, I always like look around behind me to see like what the crowd is saying. And mo- I, I feel like most of the people there had not seen it. Um, wow. Like there was a lot of hands raised for that. And so like, and it played great. Everyone was cracking up and it was fucking awesome. Like it was a perfect experience. And then afterwards I was wearing, uh, one of my return of living dead shirts. I have a couple, uh, afterwards I went to a pinball tournament and two guys walked up to me and were just like, Hey man, happy return to living dead day. So it's becoming a whole thing. You know, it is like, I'm getting reckoned out in public. I'm getting, Wishes for Happy Return of the Living Dead Day on July 3rd. I guess, you know, when is Biden going to actually make that announcement and make yeah, it come on, official? Man. Make it nationwide a holiday, yeah. right? Yeah, come on, Jack. Come on, Jack. You gotta... <laughs> <laughs> it's been long enough here, man. Uh, well, another uh, date that I think we should create into a holiday... Um, tying in with this, I believe yeah. June 6th every year should be Damien Day. Day. Da- oh, Damien Omen, Day. Uh, that Damien yeah. Day works out. Uh, because this week on The Weekly Podcast Massacre, continuing our theme for Three Lie, we are talking about the final conflict, the Omen 3. Yeah, that's and right. And I brought up that date because that is... They did it they did it twice actually. For the original Omen movie, it came out June 6, 1976 in the UK. The remake that they made in 2006 also came out on June 6th. Just yeah. some lovely um, you know, calendar work here. Exactly. Oh yeah, beautiful, beautiful calendar work. I remember I was 12 when uh June 6, 2006 happened. And I remember being scared of that day. It was at the tail end of me being a good little Catholic boy. And, <laughs> like, uh, I just, I remember, like, dreading that day coming up. Because I'm like, is something terrible going to happen? Um, you know, like, is that going to be the start of things? And I was, I mentioned this last week, but I was very scared of the trailer for the Omen remake with Lee Schreiber, right? That's that's who Lee plays. Schreiber and, um, what's her name? Ju- Juliet Stiles, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, which I tried to make time to watch, and I just didn't get around to it. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't get around to four or the remake, but I do. Same. I do want to to follow yeah, up. Yeah, on I, I will. Yeah, yeah, because I, uh, I had never seen 
any of them before, and you were in the Whoa. same boat, or you had seen No, them? I had seen the first a couple times. I really loved the first mm-hmm. movie. Oh, we can start there, I guess, just about like that, that original one. I, don't, I mean, obviously, we're not going to go too deep into it, because it's not an episode about that one. It's about the third. But to speak on it a little bit, yeah, I love that movie. Um, like, I feel like I, you know, I was scared of the remake for the, for the original, or for the remake. I, I learned there was an original that was well-regarded, and I think I saw it pop up on some, like, VHS, like, you know, uh, scary movies list they do with, like, talking heads and stuff, you know what I mean? And Sure. I think I saw some clips from it, from that, and I heard the music, the Oscar-winning soundtrack composed by Jerry Goldsmith, and for great reason. It's so good. Yeah, it's fucking incredible. All of them are, like, a, a pale comparison. Yes. From then on out. Like, it's, they do the same type of score but it, it never really yeah. hits as well yeah even as though it did in that original right even though all three were composed by jerry goldsmith they just they couldn't recapture that magic yeah i've, I've been weirdly mm-hmm. watching a ton of jerry goldsmith scored movies um in addition to what, uh, what else <laughs> i guess this will roll into recommendations a little bit um but in addition to the that omen works. The Three Omen series, I watched uh, L.A. Confidential for the first time, which he did the score for. Oh, um, right. I I saw your review and that you were a little, like, eh, A little lukewarm. Okay. I like, No, I definitely liked yeah. it. I definitely liked it, but, like, you know, it's one of those things where you keep hearing about how much of a masterpiece it is, and so, like, it's got this huge reputation rolling into it. And I was kind of like, it's a little it's a little big for me. It is a little, like, broad. It's, it's very, like, yes. overblown. But in a way, I kind of liked and... I don't think I ever disliked it, but I was ever like, I was always kind of like, well, this is kind of just like some goofy stuff, you know? I don't know. It's very dense. So I yeah. would recommend like giving it another shot in a year or two because right. there is just so much in that movie. Like, I feel like watching it from 16 or whatever, I probably saw it like four times and <laughs> never really put together the full like thread of the movie. Like, right. even you get to the end, and you're like, okay, this is the guy's the bad guy, but you don't realize why. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it did kind of, like, it's it's that classic noir thing of, like, okay, the co- the, the plot is made up of, like, actually, I think, three cases that are seemingly unrelated, mm-hmm. but are actually the same case, right? Right. It's like, it, it, that's the classic noir thing. Um, I just felt like I really liked the setup for each character. But I think because the movie is so like heavy with plot and three main characters that are each going through mm-hmm. their own thing, I think it didn't give enough t- attention to eat to their stories individually. If that makes sense. So it's like Russell Crowe, he's got this really good setup of like, oh, he hates women beaters, right? And but that's kind of his only character game, and it, obviously that goes somewhere. But I feel like there's way more room for nuance in that story you don't get to. And it's like the right. same for I the other like two guys. Guy Pierce doesn't he's have got, the most. Right. And that that's the weird one. I mean, one. he has I, his father. Yes. That one that one was the weirdest one to me because again, I really I love Guy Pierce. I talked about how much I love him on this podcast. Um and I really liked his character, but I feel like the end of the movie doesn't really like give his resolution the full weight. It's like a weirdly ha- mm-hmm. too it's like a too happy ending for what happens to him. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I enjoyed it, but I, I still, I still really liked it. I'm trying to, trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It, I, I've always really enjoyed that. Like Danny DeVito is really fun in that one. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, yeah. That, 
you know, the piece of shit Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. like, he's, he's pretty good. It's he's a good. great role. He's a good role. And I, I, I do will love say... that, like, his character is undercut and that, like, once he figures yeah. it out, it's like, oh, nope, you're out of here. Yes. Uh, I will say about Kevin Spacey, like, it's it, it, beyond even just the accusations ruining him for me. Um, the great podcast, Podcast the Ride, and I think it's one of their Patreon bonus episodes. They just did a run of, like, looking at Kevin Spacey's, like, um, like award show appearances, and he's done a lot of them. Oh. Like he's he's hosted several like smaller award shows, and he would always pop up for gags on like Emmys and things like that. And when they did that special, and they showed what a fucking corny hack bullshit artist he has been in <laughs> in those. Like he thinks he's a singer. He thinks he's like an old kind of like right. show tunes crooner guy, and he is so bad at it. He is so bad with riffing on award shows. He was terrible with improv, just the least like funny, charismatic person in the world. That on Remember top how of the accusations. Produced... Yeah. yeah. He produced his own movie about Bobby Darren yes. so he could star exactly. in Exactly. It. But it, it's the most like egotistical bullshit in the world whenever you see him on one of those like shows. And just like again, that in combination with the with the accusations, I just I can never take him seriously again, you know. And it makes sense. Well, what you're saying makes sense with him doing the "Let Me Be Frank" yes. video of like, of course you think this is a good idea. Yeah. Um. And it, just let me do that question of like, and they just they say this on the podcast too on podcast right? They're like, was he ever good <laughs> when you watch these things? And it's like, I think he did. He does have good moments, and like, but at the same time, I just I can't ever view him in the same light. I mean, I, I, obviously, yeah. the accusations are a big part of that. But that was the other nail in the coffin. Was just like, oh, he's never been genuine. Like this guy's always been full of shit. Like you know, even in yeah, his performances. I, well, yeah, I mean, again, that's all of us, especially in your Hollyweird. But true, true. um I I don't know. I've been rethinking of, or thinking about rewatching American Beauty. Uh especially like I was thinking about Chris Cooper's character in that and just how how good he is, but then the turn at the very end of like yeah. accepting your like desires but then rejecting them after you've been rejected. Like it's a very intense story. Intense story, Where but also I like... learned about Reanimator and watched it for the first oh, yeah. time. So it's always going to have that little special place in my heart. Yeah, that's right. That's funny. Yeah, um, I feel like I I couldn't I can't go back to that one. I feel like <laughs> it's it's too. You just watch the, the the plastic bag in the wind. That's all you want to watch. That's all I need, man. That's my screensaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my recommendation is i went back to ooh, i even brought it up i don't remember i think it was 72 74 uh an old robert altman movie 74 called california split ooh. currently on amazon prime greg you would have loved this movie okay. you should watch this movie tonight. I, I need to yeah it is elliot gould and george siegel as gambling addicts and oh, man it makes it seem so attractive, really. Like, it makes me wish I just came to L.A. and we go play poker to the dog tracks. Like, you know, eventually they end the movie in Reno. And it's just, it's a great, it's a great time. Yeah. Uh, 
Elliot Gould is like the coolest person in the entire world in this movie. He has those, uh, you know, fancy long sleeve shirts. He's always got like really interesting shoes. He's so cool that like with 40 minutes left to go in the movie, they break his nose. So he has the like weird tape thing. So he's a little less cool, but he still looks really cool. I love that as a movie trope. Like, character gets their mm-hmm. nose broken. Like, they have the, the bandage in the nose the rest of them. I love that, man. Uh, I do know, I think that, like, Paul Thomas Anderson's Heart 8, like, is primarily inspired mm. by that, I think. Um, that would make a lot of sense, yeah. And it's yeah. The, uh, the, the typical Altman, everyone's talking over each other, and it's right. so fun when that's happening. I know we talked about him recently, but I've only ever seen images. That's the only one I've seen. I gotta, I gotta get to the others. I seen, I saw parts of of Popeye when I was a kid. I think it was on TV, and like I watched a little bit of it. Yeah, I've never seen the whole Popeye, but you know, I like a lot of his shortcuts. Uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is another one, like kind of gambling related. You would really love. Warren Beatty is like fucking cool in that okay. movie he's so cool other brief recommendations uh i finished my shaw scope set finally because i'm talking about until i get volume two but uh two <laughs> movies two movies in that uh heroes of the east and dirty ho uh both starring gordon Liu. fantastic martial arts comedies like it was just a period where the the studio was just like yeah let's be goofy i guess let's like you know, get silly with our kung fu and and show that like slapstick and kung fu can work hand in hand. And boy, howdy, do they! They just like it's such a perfect combination of things. And uh, yeah, really, really love those. Um, so highly recommend. Uh, so besides those, yes, I I did really enjoy the first Omen. I thought Gregory Peck was amazing in that role. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is just the thing of, like, being a 60-year-old dad that's a little weird to me. Like, I get it. You put your career ahead of you, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, so what I, what a lot I of fun really, kills. Oh, so fun. Yeah, I love those, man. I, I just, I really get, like, a charge from that movie when it's just Gregory Peck and David Warner going around yes. and investigating the Antichrist and, like... You know, trying to figure out if Gregory Peck needs to kill his son. And you get the music set to that. The locations are fantastic. Like, that shot when... I think it's in the studio. But when when they're kind of, like, on that little, like, kind of, like, ridge looking down at the cemetery in Italy. Like, that shot is so fucking good. Um, And it's just at this time in Hollywood when, like, The Exorcist really opened the doors for a couple years for, like, major studios to do huge blockbuster horror movies and like that is one of the finest examples of them that's only a year after jaws and so like studios are like you know what throw a big orchestral score on it like you know give them lots of fucking money to do what they want and hey satan's still popular yeah so we're gonna get real dark with it and it's still in the Uh, period of like downer 70s endings so right uh, that's what i was gonna say like it is one of the greatest the bad guy wins mm-hmm. I think I've ever seen in my entire totally. life. Like it is just you're you're so with Gregory Peck and even Damien screaming and then he says, No daddy, no daddy. I love like all that God, like he breaks yeah. into that thing. You're yeah. like, Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Um I actually really enjoyed Damien, the Omen 2 as well. Uh I love William Holden from Me Network. Too, man. And I thought yeah. he did such a great job in the second one um to the degree where 
by the end of the movie, he's like, no, I gotta do it. And then his wife stabs him with, like, four uh, yeah. of that the knives great. of Mikado. Uh, did not expect that at all. I I was so floored by that ending. That was good. I, I had I had some issues with the second one. Um, I watched it. It's not as great. Agreed. No. I, I, I really liked the Damien story. I thought that was a fascinating like kind of take on it and a really good place to sort of go with that story to focus less on like the patriarch or whatever the, the father figure who has to figure it out that he's the antichrist again and to focus more on damien's personal journey of learning what he is and i just feel like the mm-hmm. movie though is a little confused about what they want to do with damien's character once he figures it out it's like he seems to at first kind of reject it and i'm like oh that's going to be an interesting angle like, you know, maybe something by the end will happen that he's, like, molded into either the Antichrist they want him to be, or he's going to reject it and do something else with this. And it, it was a little traumatic, you know, a little tragic the way it played out, but it wasn't, like, done in a good way. I think the script for that movie is really bad. Um, like, there's... there's so many random loose ends. Yes. Um, like, the Lance Henriksen. Yeah, exactly. You need either more of him or just don't include that character. Because right. it really, all it does is like tell him, oh, hey, you're, read this part of the Bible. Yes. And that tells him he's the Antichrist. Like that's, and then he that's just about vanishes it, from really. the movie. But then, like, so much of the movie is focused on the weird business practices of Thorn Industries. Um, yes. Like, there was just a period where, like, they're driving around that little car in the factory and then they stop and talk about agriculture <laughs> for, like, fi- what felt like 20 minutes. And I'm just like, right. what? what is this doing in this movie? This is fucking insane. With the guy that I was like, where have I seen him before? Oh, he's the psychiatrist from MASH who, like, is depressed. <laughs> speaking of, like, speaking that's of what all I men, always right? remember yeah. him from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, yeah, but at the, same, at the same time, while watching Omen 2, I think I gave, ended up getting it three stars. Uh, I was going to go lower, but I I think about three and a half. I, I was watching it, and because I'm a fucking millennial, I pulled my phone up for a second, and I'm going through, like, Instagram stories, and a friend of mine posted about, um, you know, Eli Roth now is very into, like, shark conservation. It's, like, a big cause he's taken up. Oh, and, okay. Um, because it is really bad. Like, the, you know, shark hunting is terrible because they're endangered, and, uh, you know, they, they should be protected. But um, my friend was, like you know, reposting something he had posted and then was just posting a bunch of stories about how overfishing is like destroying the oceans and will eventually is a potential cause potential like um, reason that we may go extinct because like it's going to have untold consequences. And uh, apparently we're on track to, to deplete the oceans basically, you know, almost completely by 2050 or at least like deplete the oceans of like, you know, fish that we could eat. Um, and it, 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 in conjunction with what was happening in Omen 2 about these businessmen are like, hey, we're getting into food production. We're going to control the market on food production and it's going to lead to the biblical apocalypse. I was like, famine is yeah, where the money is. Exactly. I was like, you know what? Maybe Omen 2 was onto something and it became a little like intense for me. I also may have been kind of high watching this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I had a panic attack watching Omen 2. Like, I was like, it is going to be a guy, it's not maybe not the actual Antichrist, but it is people like Damien and like those other guys in that movie that are going to lead us to 
destruction and like untold yep. horrors. And so it's I was like, early profits. Yes, and so I do think Omen Two is getting at something in the real world that is actually scary beyond the religion bullshit. Which I mean, look, I'm sorry to people out there who might be religious, but like. Beyond the religious stuff, I thought that Omen 2 was actually speaking to something very interesting in that way. Um, the first one, I think, is way more of just kind of a fun thriller than anything else. Like, it's not trying to, like, make any grand messages. That one's more you know? personal. Right. Uh, um, because it is the father, like, yeah. you know, have coming to terms with, what if my son is... Well, he knows it's not his son. I think right. that's one of the things as well. But, like, you know, how can I shape this person that is yeah. not my son. And that's general. what that's what uh, grabbed me in the in that first one was like it's all kicked off by when I think of like Satan, you know, if if it were like a real entity, right? Like you're not gonna have like oh uh, Satan like makes this grand appearance, he sends a demon after somebody. Like it's not gonna be anything like that. It's gonna be way more subtle. It's gonna be right? a crow. Like, that's, exactly. It's gonna be a crow. Yeah. Oh god, that scene was so fucking funny. Um. But no, it's going to be more subtle, right? Like the the thing that like you you hear about sometimes with like this stuff is that it's like the subtle temptations, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like in Star Wars, it's the Force is like the easy way out. That's it's the same thing, and I, that it, it got to me in the first one where Gregory Peck makes that first decision of like, hey, we have this child, like your child just died in childbirth, right? Like we have another baby born at the same time with no mother now, no parents, and this is it. You could face telling your wife that her child is dead, right? Or you could spare or the her feelings. Easy way. And you can go right. the easy way. And it's this little thing. It's that whole thing of like, you know, the road to hell being paid to good intentions. It's this tiny decision that leads to so much more to eventual the eventual apocalypse because Gregory Peck says yes to this. Right? Like I well, really like that in the first one. There. Yeah. It's it's setting us well, on the road, and now yeah, so in now what, let's go to three. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we are jumping to when uh, Damian Thorne is thirty two years old. Now, I know in one of your reviews you were like trying to track it logically. Yeah. Um, it's not because he literally says in the movie at one point, "I'm gonna run for Senate in '84." <laughs> The timeline does not make sense whatsoever. So that would mean that the first movie has to take place in, like, the 40s, right? <laughs> like, uh, it would have been, like, you know, um, I guess, like, late 40s, early 50s. Which it does yeah. not. But the, 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 it's no. pretty clear that in that one it's the 70s. I mean, just look at David Warner's right. appearance. Yeah. Like, his clothes. He was looking um, hot at that oh, time. Oh, yeah. Looking right. good, man. Yeah. But, uh, but that's what we're here to talk about. The final yes. conflict, Omen 3... From 1981, directed by Graham Baker, also did Alien Nation with the oh. little Jimmy Khan. He also did a, a Beowulf adaptation, I believe from 99, starring Christopher Lambert, which oh, I've never seen. I'm very interested in, though. Um, the writer was Andrew Birkin, who co-wrote Perfume Story of a Murderer, which I've not seen, but is on my list. No, I haven't seen that. I, I once, uh, I, for a long time, I was going around calling that my favorite book of all time, though. Like, my number one mm. favorite book. And it's an incredible book. It's an amazing, amazing book. I've always been too nervous to watch the movie because I just don't want to be let down, you know? Um, oh, okay. Your favorite book is in that. Um, um, Freaking Connection? It? Pushed by Sapphire? Oh, no. <laughs> what was it? Precious based on a novel pushed by Sapphire? Was that? 
No, it just barely didn't make the top spot, you know. It's uh, uh, okay. neck gotcha. and neck for those. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is based on characters created by David Seltzer, um, who yeah. actually wrote the remake as well. I don't know if you oh. were aware of that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Um, so there was also a fourth movie made in 1991 that is... So it's a very interesting thing as well. There were... I believe they were novelizations of the movies that were created. Yeah. Adapted from the film. They did one, two, and three. And then they, the guy like just wrote the fourth one. And they were like, oh, let's make a movie about it. And then they just never did. And they decided to make it into the, the TV movie that they did in the 90s. Uh, but let's talk about some of the actors real quick. We have Sam Neill as Damien Thorne at 32 Great. years old. Lisa Haro as Kate Reynolds, Mason Adams as President, <laughs> Don Gordon as Harvey Dean. Now, did you recognize? So I didn't recognize him Mr. because he Gordon. looks he looks a lot different ten years later or so, like yep. eight years later. But yes, Exorcist mm-hmm. Three. He's the uh, the the guy with the the white ponytail on a uh, the racist team who yes. confused rabies and rabbis exactly yeah he's got a great look in that movie great look in this movie too actually yeah 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 i mean this one is like straight early 80s and mm-hmm. exorcist 3 he is like oh i've grown up into the 90s man that i yeah. am exactly um and you have rosado brazi as father de carlo and then the only other one i really wanted to shout out was uh, richard Olf- oldfield who played Brother Simeon, and the only reason I wanted to shout him out is because, one, he was in Life Force as uh, Mission Leader. I don't know where he was in there. Could have been like a hundred Mission Leaders in that whole movie. But also, he is in Empire Strikes Back, because his IMDb picture is him in the get-up. He was one of the the speeder drivers. Oh, that's awesome. Rebel... Uh, uh, Clevian. He was Rogue Four. Oh, okay. Oh, that's so. fucking awesome. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do really, really love the beginning shot of this movie. I don't know if you picked up on it, but like as the titles yeah, are starting, the the, the you are staring spinning. directly into a drill. Yeah, like a gi- a giant earth turning drill, and it's it's a. Uh, it's kind of unsettling. It's a very interesting, like, shot to begin your movie. Like a very, you know, sw- sw- almost hypnotic, yeah. you know, swirling of, of cool. blades and everything. Yeah. I will say, I think the first act of this, I think the first act is pretty good for this movie. Like, oh, I yeah. like the setup yeah. for it, yeah. And that's one of the things. I, I think there is a lot of potential in this movie that they squander. Completely. There are yes. some times where it's it's like very extended, and I don't know why you're doing this. Um, a couple times where you're just like one explaining Christianity to us, and then yeah. two like you just catch us up with all of the movies whatsoever happened, or you just explain everything that's already happened in this movie yeah. for people. I, I feel like they often like almost actively avoiding like interesting ideas in this. Like, they'll raise these ideas. Damien will say something, and I'm like, oh, that's really fascinating. And then it kind of ends up right. going nowhere, not really applying at all. 
but we got to spend 20 minutes on a fox hunt. Yes, exactly. You know, like, that's which, really which, important. Uh, hey, well, you know what? Looked great. I thought that there's some really well shot stuff on this. And when you get like, oh, yeah. the, that's when the score works best for me, too, because it is a little darker at that point, And like, you got the great visuals of the horses and the dogs all kind of running like through the moors, you know, like it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, I really like that stuff. Yeah. It's a, you know, real British type movie. And that's yes. what I kind of like about them. Like they, yeah, they exactly. lean into that almost stuffiness, but it like it looks kinda, very yeah, beautiful. It, it, it kind of brings that back from the first one. And I feel like that's something that like, I know we talked about it last week with like what a part three can do sometimes. Like they can either like double down on, they can be different, right? Oh, we're going to change it up. We're going to make, and this one also does that, you know, or yes. we're going to go back to what worked in the first one. And I feel like they bring back that British setting from the first movie. They're like, maybe people like that. And we need that in our third one too. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even get into in the second one, but I mean, they are always extremely rich people. Yeah. But in the second one, they have their own like projector and movie screen and yep. everything. And I was just like, man, Those fucking bastards. These rich people bastards yeah <laughs> uh, so the the first thing that happens is that from the end of the second movie the giant explosion in the chicago museum we are now finding the seven knives of mikado the only thing that can kill damian thorne on this you know mortal plane that we live in i do love um they show up in a pawn shop yeah just amazing amazing some guy steals them from the the excavation site to pawn them. But the the guy, guy that bought them, them, I was hoping he would become a major character. He had a great look to him. No. Like his his kind of like he he's kind of he's kind of like portly and had these like big glasses and had I almost really like his, a, a yeah. Henry Kissinger esque yeah. look to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, he I love that there's the him haggling with a priest that's completely silent. It's just from the one static shot, and we don't get any dialogue until they shake hands. Uh, we cut to a dumbass commercial about the Ice Age leading into <laughs> what Thorn Industries is doing. I do really love that the first shot we get of Sam Neill is in complete darkness. Yeah. You really can't see any features. Um, and he's got a great voice for it. He's very upset. He is wearing a bit too much eyeliner. In this I, whole movie, yes, I, I, I think I, I think I would agree. I also think he's not totally good at like hiding his accent at this moment and in, in this movie. Mm. Like it's never like you, you never full bore get the New Zealand Kiwi accent, but you can tell he's right. doing something with his voice. Like you can, it sounds a little off, especially when he has a couple just like long monologues. Where yes, which are great. Going but, back to it, yeah, it. Uh, he is good in it. Mm -hmm. I don't, it doesn't do anything with the plot. No. Honestly. Uh, yeah. And like I said, it's he just brings flowerly up... language. Nazarene. And I want to just put, yeah, yeah I, I, hey, I love that. I love calling him, like, not Jesus, but, uh, and I want to get to this right now. When the, the big scene, I really wonder if this is what Clint Eastwood took for inspiration <laughs> when he berated that empty chair. <laughs> on stage on, on the RNC. Yeah. In uh, like 2012. I've got a Nazarene like, here with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just him talking about like why Jesus has failed. Yeah. Throughout all this time. Exactly. God. <laughs> oh, wait, what's that? You're going to forgive our own sins? Uh, yeah. You, know. you said we could keep our own doctor. 
<laughs> but he wants to be the ambassador to Great Britain because of some random prophecy in some obscure book. It says that the um, the the second coming of Christ will come from the uh, Angel Isle, which means England for some maybe, reason. Maybe I'm just dumb, but I don't think I ever realized England meant angel. But it kind of ang the E-N-G I, kind of makes sense, you know? I don't know. I'll take it's Sam Neill's word bizarre. for it. He's, he's charismatic enough, you know? I'll believe him. I just know Virginia's for the virgins, okay? Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. That's it. yeah. Um... Well, here's another thing. Like, again, we have all these extended scenes. I don't know if they need to take this long. This one is pretty cool, though. It is the current ambassador to Great Britain. Oh, this is um, great. Is, is, is being stalked. He's just kind of out and about, and a Rottweiler shows up and stares at him, and he's dazed by it. He yeah. ends up uh, passing his chauffeur, walks to the office, goes right into his office. No calls, no calls. Uh, and then sets a press conference at 3 p.m. before he goes into a very intricate um, mousetrap type mm-hmm. of uh, suicide. Murder-suicide? Murder, it's probably just suicide. Suicide, yeah. I yeah. guess he doesn't, like, he doesn't murder anybody. Suicide yeah. by cop is still suicide, right, right. right. I mean, but, it's, it's uh, murder takes... by, by Hellhound, I guess, but, you know, to everyone else's eyes, it's suicide. <laughs> well, he takes his typewriter uh, ribbon... And wraps it around, like, the door, does everything, to the point where when uh, the people, the the press come in for the conference, the pistol goes off and shoots him, not in the head, well, it in the head, but, like... It's, like, in his mouth, right? Under the nose. Under the nose, that's it, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, on the upper lip, and it's crazy. I love... The blood goes all, all over the seal. Lots of, like, the of ambassador blood. To that the, did shock yeah. me. Like the amount of like splatter on this thing. I was like, whoa, fuck. Like that is way more mm-hmm. than I was expecting. Uh, it doesn't look like the dummy is kind of bad. You get like one shot of the dummy kind of going back and it looks like shit. But I kind of didn't care. In kind of slow motion. Yeah, yeah, I liked it anyway. Um, this I was didn't great. Pick this up. Yeah, I didn't pick this up until uh, the second viewing though. But Kate, the reporter, is there. Oh, for that press conference, <laughs> she just she's doesn't like mention the, it the rest of the movie, <laughs> right? She's just in there, the, like the front of the line, and as soon as it happens, she like turns and puts her face into someone's, you know, bosom. And the rest, she's like, "Well, yeah. I gotta go raise my son. I don't have time to focus on the suicide. I just yeah, witnessed. yeah, you know, yeah. I gotta go work for the BBC now. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, this is where we get Damien with the president." And I do love that Damien knows more about, like, current world going-ons yeah. than the well, CIA or anybody okay, else. Okay, I mean, so you you tracked why, right? I, I didn't realize this was such a huge subplot that goes nowhere until the second watch. But yeah. his first meeting They're with Dean... They're causing it. Yes, his first meeting with Dean, he talks about, hey, it'll have to be the dam, because there's some conflict going on with the Israelis and the Palestinians, of course, and there's some terrorist group. And he's like, hey, it'll have to be the dam. And then you hear later there's some big damn disaster in Israel that has caused this big flood. Uh, and, right? It's like a flood or something that's going on. It's killed a bunch of people. It's, and, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It uh, killed, like, uh, what did they say? Like, 50,000 people. It might be twice as much. Yes. And, of course, later the on, foreign, they even talk about they need to kill somebody. The, um, it's the Israeli. Like, I have no power. So, right. so, from what I gathered, the Israeli ambassador... Uh, is is working for Damien. 
And he intentionally sabotaged this dam to kill his own people, to kill Israelis. Um, but they're blending it on a terrorist group to cause more strife and conflict. And to allow Thorn Relief people to come in and look like saviors. Exactly. That's the other part of it. Yeah. However, it seems like the Israeli ambassador got captured and Dean is very concerned that he's going to talk and tell them everything. Unless Damien kills the ambassador. Um it, again, never really goes anywhere. And so many of Dean's nope. scenes start with him being like, but we gotta kill the ambassador! And it just never happens. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's on the phone 75% of the movie. Yeah. I have a, Like Dean's with those big glasses and he just puts it down. Yeah, Dean's character is very strange to me. Like, he's he's the Antichrist's right-hand man, but he does not come off as a secretary. Sa- yes. No. But he's ki- no. he does not seem like a Satanist at all. And maybe this is kind of real, but he just seems like, well, he pays well, so I'm going to do whatever he asks. And yeah, the guy says he's the Antichrist, but you know. Exactly. Like, but I have, but like I got a 401k is. in healthcare, so. He's just in it for the paycheck. And there's so many times yeah. where, like, in yeah, that first thing where uh, Sam Neill's going on about the prophecy or whatever, talking about it. And I just imagine, you know, Dean's just kind of like, all right, cool. Like, yeah. what, am, what am I supposed to do? I don't understand. Like, wh- yeah. why? It's like later on, um, to j- jump ahead a tiny bit, he gets told he's got to kill a bunch of babies, and he's just kind of like, Dad, whatever you say, boss, okay. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, well, no, he's hesitant, and then he like calls people and says, like, cut the shit, just do it, okay? Yeah, yeah. Kill these kids. Uh-huh. Um, and then when it comes to maybe his child, he's like, for the love of God, Damien. I know. Why like, are but- we doing this? The fact that he's like excited to tell the Antichrist that his child was born, he's just like, "Yeah, last night it's a he's a he's a you know he's a big one." Who? Yeah, eleven fifty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the the president wants Damien to be the the ambassador to Great Britain, which is what Gregory Peck did in the original movie. Um, he has a couple hiccups though. He's like, "Well, I'm I don't want to leave my position running Thorn Industries." It's illegal for me to do that. And I love the president's like, you know, we'll just bend the law. Yeah, like, don't that's worry fine. about it. We'll yeah. get around this. I feel like the last seven years, like, we heard all of that type yeah. of... We'll just bend it a little. That's hey, this fine. is t- this that's is fine. 2004. My VP is head of, you know, uh, some fuck... What is that oil company? <laughs> Halliburton, right. Halliburton, yeah. You know, it's all yeah. kosher. Well, again, this is, you know, it's... Because he says... Well, the other thing is, I can only do it for two years. I'm going right. to run for Senate in 84, which yeah. okay. uh, let me, makes let me sense. S- let me say, it's bullshit that the plot of this is not him running for president. Because that is set up in yeah. the first movie when yeah. it ends. Gregory with, Peck with, is going to be president. right? Well, Peck is going to be president, but his roommate in the first movie is the president. And so you establish their good friends at the end of the movie... You see that Damien is adopted by the president. That's what it's implying. Yeah. They completely throw that out the window in two when no, it's his brother who's the head of Thorn Industries. But still, you couldn't make good on it. And the poster for this movie is Damien in front of the presidential seal. So it's like they clearly Bizarre. wanted to go in that direction or wanted us to think it was going there. But after he says he's running for Senate, zero mention of his like political aspirations after this, basically. Right. Yeah. Because you expect him, like, being in charge of the nukes is going to be the big thing, but no. Yeah, exactly, like, yes. They don't even care. No yeah, we don't ever really learn what his, like, apocalyptic plan is. It's kind of just like he wants to look like a savior to get followers, and then once the Nazarene yeah. is born, 
Like he, that's all that he seems cares like about. It. Yeah. Once, once you can kill the Nazarene, you have all the power. No one will do anything. Yeah. Um, his other um, requirement is he becomes the president of the youth council. And I love the president's like, well, I've already promised that. And hold on, let me call. Oh, he's going to be Great Britain. And Damien just stares at him just blankly mm-hmm. until the president gives in and is like, oh, and by the way, announce this. Right. I, li- I feel like we need we needed more of the president. He was not in this enough. It, like one scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you could have done either more of him or just have it on the phone, honestly. And Damien just being really threatening on the phone. You know what I want is, like, the president starts to think Damien is overstepping his bounds. And so, like, the president gets an insane death scene in the Oval Office. Like, that would I, be cool. I want something right. like that. Yeah. I want him to, like, fall at the window and get impaled on, like, the Washington Monument somehow. Like, I don't know. Make it happen. Just or, I, don't, I don't know how um, it would happen, but do it. Uh, one of the guards outside with like a rifle and a one of the, the bayonets on it, <laughs> yeah, and he just yeah. falls onto that. That'd be fun. Um, one of, one of the most bizarre things is we start using science in this movie mm. to track when the second coming of the Christ will happen, because just like when Jesus was born, these three stars told you where it would happen. Right. Um, you get Father DiCarlo coming in and learning of this i love that they they pretty much uh create a holy posse of seven people with daggers yeah you know why not uh when they like had their little like setup in that room it's like a hotel room or something it reminded me of uh mission impossible when like Ethan oh yeah goes to that little that, the hideout whatever yeah and like Safe the house. first one yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh god i just rewatched that one so good yeah i got Fucking i think i'm gonna brian de palma I'm going to try to burn through those again before uh, Dead Reckoning mm-hmm. Part 1. Uh, or as Griffin called it, Part Fun. <laughs> so I'm excited. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, so there's the fancy party where Damien gets to meet Kate. Uh, we find out that uh, her son is a big fan of his. Apparently he is like an Andrew Tate influencer. Like he's very hip on trying to reach out to young boys. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we also learn in the scene that they make that Damien's company, the Thorn Thorn Industries, they make wine out of soybeans because there's yeah. two like rich fucks being like, ah, these Americans overstepping like with their like with their wine, and they taste it, and they're like, yeah, you really can't make anything out of soybeans these days. Like it's, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I imagine them like a, a Statler and Waldorf type. Yes, like I know they should have been they should have yeah. been reappearing reappearing across the whole movie. But another <laughs> thing that doesn't start, really. Like, Making puns and laughing about yeah, oh, it. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Like exactly. after every death. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the guy falls off the horse. Like, you know, he should have really not been horsing around. Oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, uh, we find out that Harvey Dean's wife is pregnant and that mm-hmm. she's due very soon. And uh, so, you know, Damien gets to hang out with Kate a little bit. They're striking that romance. He spoils uh, her son, Peter, with an RC boat, which, like, you know, if, uh, you know, the son of the devil gave me an RC boat, like, I'd, you know, That's I'd probably it, man. be in his pocket, so, too. Yeah, exactly. That's all I really it like, uh, yeah. the, the establishing shot for that is pretty fun. It's like a helicopter flying over the water, but then... Mm-hmm. Uh wait, am I? You pull I, back, it's an RC helicopter. Yes, I was gonna say, I was gonna right, yeah, it is. You pull back, and it's a, it's an RC helicopter. Yeah, that's that's a really fun way to to transition there. 
Uh, we have them just kind of walking around the park. There's uh, Damien with his Rottweiler. I tried to look this up. I don't believe it's correct, but he was saying that this breed was with the Roman army 2,000 years ago. No. <laughs> I, it didn't seem like that when I was, yeah, doing the research. I, like, no. I would like to imagine that. They're cool looking. I mean, Rottweiler's a German name. Them, <laughs> yeah. But he refers to them as old as sin. Yeah. There's a whole... Yeah, street preacher scene, which, does that happen anymore? Do we have, like, a row oh, yeah. of street preachers well, just, maybe, like, hang out and Maybe not a row, congregate? but sometimes when you still go down, I mean, kind of, yeah, when you go down to Hollywood Boulevard here, like, right by where I am, and you have people out there all the time carrying signs about Jesus and religion and, like, hateful shit on it, and you got, like, crowds of people following them around, and they're yelling at the megaphones. Mm. Like, I, yeah, I see it here in L.A. Um, wow. In Britain, I, I, I don't I know. Just, I, I don't, don't know. see that. I don't know if, if Prophet like, Row is still a thing in the UK. Yeah, the most we see right around here are just, like, the Jehovah's Witnesses, like, standing on the corner, mm-hmm. saying, like, hey, do you want a free Bible study thing? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. And you say yes. Oh, okay, gotcha. No, no. And every time, like, I see someone talking to them, I'm just, I just want to be like, like, you gotta run, babe. Like, this is, yeah. they're insane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but this scene doesn't really make any sense besides exposition. So Damien knows that they're coming for him or that the Christ child is going to be born. Like there, there's really no point that I understand. It's not well done. Um, uh, so basically it the, is the, one the, of the, the street preachers. Yeah. That's, and then that's, one of the that's other what it ones is. Is that it's, it's him. Right. right. It's, it's a priest doing reconnaissance and Damien picks up that these guys are watching him. And so this is where Damon first gets the inkling that people are coming after him. Yeah. That's okay. basically what it's Yeah, for. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Because it is like a crescendoing score as it's going on, but it's like there's nothing really happening. You're just like reacting to a street preacher. Yeah. It's very odd. I guess it does make sense that there is something like this in there. It's just so poorly executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Damien's going to be interviewed on the BBC uh, about a lot of his, like, outlook on youth, which was, he was saying some very interesting things. Yeah, that's, is, what, I, that's what I have written, too. Yeah. yeah. Where he's Part like, of the devil, like, they come at you with logic. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to start my thread here. Like, this is something that, it, it, what's weird about this is that I think Damien is correct about it a lot. Even when he's doing his monologues about being evil, the stuff he's saying mm-hmm. about about religion is kind of true. Like, it's like, oh, you pass off your, like, judgment as morality, and you constrict, like, the human, like, human freedom. Which, like, yeah, man, a- absolutely. Are you kidding me? Like, they didn't like people to wear birth control for so long. It's like... And you know exactly what you're what he's talking about is true, but the morality of right. the church has been restrictive. There's an entire thing called the fucking dark ages for a reason. And then well, yeah, right here where he's you can't let them like have choices of they can have children or not because you're gonna right. need those tithing. You know, you need that mm. money coming in, so you yes. got to get them when they're young. You make them have nine babies, and then that's. Um, in the future, 18 more people, once they get married, that are coming to your church now. Yeah. And then those 18 people have 57 children, you know? Exactly. It's like, how uh, religion works. That's exactly what he, so what he says here. He says, we don't listen to the youth until they've grown old. And by that point, 
they've developed traditional views because of years of conditioning and education, which I like, you know what, that's a fascinating point. And I do think that is something that has kind of changed recently with the proliferation of social media and the internet. So now you internet, have, right. Information. You have, right. You have, what was the name of the guy from that shooting in Florida that, or that he kind of became like a fig, like a, like a head of sort of like an anti-gun, like David Hogg, I think was his name. Right. Oh, um, right. From the Parkland yes. school shooting, right? Where like it's like he... Yeah. People like him and Greta Thunberg... Like Thunberg? I always fuck her name up. But people like yeah. them are allowed to become sort of voices in the current day and age because of social media. And you have people taking them seriously. And you have dickheads, you know, like attacking them too. Like literal. Because they don't know anything. Yes. Because they've never lived like exactly. life that's been corrupted yeah. by... Right. That is one of the things that keeps getting to me thinking about of like, why do we do certain things? Why has our society become certain ways? It's like, oh, well, that's what our, the people who did it yeah. before us did. Mm-hmm. And they did it before that, before them. So that's just, that's just how we do things. That's why like right. banking, all this bullshit, interest rates... It's all just yeah. made up bullshit. <laughs> exactly. And we're just like, okay, great. That's what we're going to well, go along like, with. Well, I went into, you know, I went to debt because of student loans. So that means that every generation after me has to, too. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. Um, well, so I, that, but that's the thing. They didn't. They just made it that way to become <laughs> rich. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. So, but I think this movie does get at an interesting idea of, like, I, I think you run into a, into a problem with two and three where who is your protagonist, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's Damien, right? He's the main character, but he's the Antichrist, and we're supposed to not want him to win. That's why the second movie, I think, had an interesting, like, you know, idea with, like, okay, he's going to be a little conflicted about it, but then he's not, and he suddenly wants to be, so you kind of throw that at the window. But then it's split. And William Holden is also like right. the main character, but that's a but that's just like a investigating, right, which is just a yeah. repeat of the first movie, sadly, yeah. mostly. So yeah. like it doesn't fully work. In this one, they seem to be like making Damien the villain the entire time, but everything he's saying, like I think, is you know has merit in terms of like viewing him as protagonist, and like he's kind of right in that like if the current world does suck so much. Maybe you do need somebody like Damien. I mean, I know he obviously he's lying for a lot of this, I guess, but it still just gets to the point of like, who the fuck are we rooting for here? I guess it's Kate. Right. I suppose so. Well, and that's supposed to be the thing of, you know, the Antichrist is supposed to be very attractive. They're supposed right. to be able to like seduce you with their tongue. They're going to be saying all these things that are going to make you logically believe and follow sure. them. Sure. All right, that's fair um, enough. Because yeah. we, Maybe see, I, we see I guess later, I'm just a like, sucker. he has. Yeah, he has. Yeah, you. Well, that goes without <laughs> saying, but like he has a lot of followers, and even yeah, you know, from a being a child, he had lots of followers as well. Or like we see the few that have been given a job or a position to protect right. him. Um, it's very interesting thinking about like you wonder how long William Holden's had been married to his wife, who was just an agent of Satan. Yeah, exactly. Like, when did that happen as well? Did she get corrupted? Was it before they got married? I mm-hmm. was also looking it up. William Holden was like 58 in that movie. Whoa. Um, he he died like three years later at 61. And he, yeah, he just he had a, such dude, an old man looking face. Exactly. When I, when I finally watched Network, 
And I was like, man, William Holden fucking rules. Like, I'm going to read up more on him. Because I, I had known him as a name and a, as, like, an actor. But, I, you know, I never really, like, looked into him. His death was really fucking tragic and, like, just, like, really unsettled me. Yeah. I don't know if you know how he died. I don't think I looked that up, no. Uh, he was drunk in his home and he tripped and just hit his head on his coffee table and bled out. Like, man. Something wow. about it is so sad and brutal to me. Like, you know, it's just... Yeah, like this really great actor. Him? Just take, yeah. And Joe Spinell. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two peas in a pod. Gone too soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I didn't pick this one up until the second viewing, is that there's a weird interaction when he's getting all the makeup and stuff done for the, oh, yes. uh, yeah. the interview. Yeah. And then she like starts combing his hair and he's like, eh, I'll do it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, because of the birthmark. That uh, oh, yeah. you just you just made that make sense to me right now. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, very interesting. I I kind of love this scene. Is there is there's an assassination attempt? Is that there's a priest kind of hanging out? Like, oh, you know. So he climbs into the rafters and is going to pounce down upon Damien as he's being interviewed. Well, there we have the sh- uh, sh- scene of the priest in the home, and they're trying to figure out how do we get them? Well, like a sleeping target, or a sitting target, and they're like, one of them's like that's how we do it, and they just point at the TV and he climbs into the rafters, he's like about to get there when it's Har- Dean Har- Harvey Dean sees it and yells Damien the priest falls catches himself in like a, a wire on his leg he starts yeah. sweeping back and forth across the, the set a fire breaks out. There's a giant plastic sheet that he gets wrapped into and then catches on fire. And it's, it's just like a pendulum. Pretty just awesome. swinging back and forth. It yeah. is. I That is kind of one of the things of the series is it's like these extended or not extended, but these like intricate like death set scenes. piece deaths. Yeah. But I was thinking right, during right. I mean, uh, I think it occurred to me during the first one a little bit, but it really solidified it in the second one. But the Final Destination series owes a lot to these. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's a lot of, like, innocuous I, items that get set up as, like, murder weapons, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I do love how the first one in in the original movie is just the the nurse, or what would you call it? The like housekeeper, the caretaker, right? Just hanging, yeah. yeah, hanging herself. Like, very basic. But love like, it. Yeah. The, um, the pronouncement of, this is for you. It's all for you. Still, still gives me shivers, it's, man. Still yeah. very creepy. Very yeah. chilling. Yeah. Um, Damien does find one of the seven knives of Mikado. He tells Dean about it. And like, this is the only thing that can kill me. It's it a was assassination. Yeah. Trite. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will. I will say about about that that burning death. Like, you know, I know Wikipedia for these things is not a great source, but I, I, I you know, will sometimes check it out anyway. I will check it out anyway, and I do try to check the references they make where they link to something else. You know, I'll try to, like, back stuff up. But um, I was reading it, and, like, uh, it was talking about that burning scene. And it's like, oh, the, the, the scene of the priest getting wrapped in the, in the plastic and burned to death is considered, you know, one of the more grisly deaths in, in all of horror cinema. And I was kind of like, "What the fuck?" Like, I did read that as well. And then, but and then in the footnote, like the foot annotation or whatever, it's like by whom? Like on Wikipedia, like someone else is questioning it. Like, yeah, well, I don't know why that hasn't been removed yet because that is a fucking stupid claim, you know. It is. Uh, I 
I think it's a pretty good death, though. Like, it is good, I, I but really it's enjoy... it's not one of the most like graphic and in, in movies. Like, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I mean, it's it is intense, but it's like I don't know. There's way worse shit out there. I mean, it's no terrifier like yeah. cutting a woman in half, right? Or like from anything from vagina. like a, or like anything from a Lucio Fulci movie. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Yeah, exactly. In like yeah. five years, yeah. Mm-hmm. We get the really long, again, like Clint Eastwood berating Obama. That's not <laughs> there. Is I do love the look of the crucified Christ in that it's more like a T with his head on top and kind of facing the cross. Right. Again, it's just flowery language. Unless you know nothing about the Bible. Or the devil, or God, and Jesus, like, yeah. right, this is just a catch-up for, like, I guess all of the Jewish or Muslim people watching the right. movie? I don't know. Well, even these, then, uh... I mean, even then, they know the Old Testament, they're gonna know something <laughs> right. about this. And, like, right. and the Muslims do see Jesus as a prophet, that, as an important figure in, in, in Islam, too. He's and, not the, he's not the savior, he's just a prophet, right? Yeah. Um, he, he says something right here, like, uh, it, he prays to Satan to overthrow Jesus' Jesus's reign. He says, hell is misrepresented. I like this line. The only heaven is the ecstasy of his father's kingdom, of my father's kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great line. Um, I do think it's very funny that the Jesus statue looks very scared. It's got, like, big eyes and, like, a, <laughs> yes. like kind of like that well, kind of face. better. Is yeah. like at one point he like grabs the thorn, uh, yes, the crown of thorns, and, he's and like, like squeezes in, yeah. And then the scene <laughs> ends with blood dripping down the statue of of Christ, which this is, I well, again, two movies with yeah. Don Gordon, I believe was his name, and then yep. two movies where we get like Christ statues that change exactly as we're viewing them, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, very fun. Um, so this is where the baby is born and Damien starts losing power. Harvey Dean's baby is born as well. I, uh, the, there's a scene where the old priest is understanding that Damien's there. Damien knows that he's watching him as well and waiting for him to follow them. Bizarre scene where he leads them to that, like, um, hillside monastery that's collapsed or whatever. Right. And there's two priests that are in hiding are going to stab Sam Neill as he comes through. They throw a jacket on top of him as he walks in. They stab the shit out of him. Take the coat off. Oh, it's actually just the old priest. Yeah, I like Oops. this. I like the uh, the act, the, the priest here. Is it this? This isn't Brother Martin. It's the other one, right? Brother Peter or something? The only one I wrote no. down was Simeon and Father DiCarlo. Yeah, but it's the, uh, the, the Brother Paulo. He's the black priest. Um, mm. I like him, and I like that when he like re- he realizes they accidentally stabbed the prophet. He's just like we're possessed, and he immediately starts like praying, like, and then yeah. they get like chased by lightning. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, the Rottweilers are there, and they get put into. They're like, oh, we have to escape. We're gonna go down this little tunnel, and it's it just dead end. So like a yeah. grate comes on top of them, and that's it for them. I guess they die of um of uh, dehydration. After I, three days, so it's like I suppose. Yeah, that was kind of like that was a big letdown. I guess. Yeah, that was. I feel like their ultimate deaths got cut or something. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this is where, well, Damien is having a, another interview to make up for the assassination attempt, and 
decides at this point that, well, the only thing that we're going to be able to do is just to kill all of the male children born on March 24th between midnight and 6 a.m. from uh, dusk to dawn. And Dean's like, well, you know, my child was born the 23rd, 11.50, 10 minutes to midnight. It can't be that one. And uh, Sam Neill says, liquidate the Nazarene. Oh, so God, he's kind of like yeah, what a uh, bringing that corporate, you know, thinking mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. Um, and Liquid then the Nazarene as, and, you know, dump yeah. like <laughs> and dump the Exxon stock. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and then like starts walking away from uh, from Dean and just says to him, chin up, old boy. Like, <laughs> yeah, you go murder some children. Uh, Basically, we cut to the fox hunt, and we're getting some exposition about being blooded, which I had never heard of. Did you know about this? Not for fox hunts. I mean, I knew it for, like, I think that, like, in fantasy, like, you know, I I always feel like blood is a thing with that. Like, I feel like predators get blooded in the extended Uh, predator universe. I, I didn't know that's, that's how you relate everything in yeah. in a you know in the real world. Is, oh yeah. Oh well, the predators do this. So yeah, yeah. I, you know the predator in Predator Two was a was a young blood, which means he had just been blooded and made a full <laughs> hunter. So you know, yeah. I uh, know I didn't know a, I didn't know about any about anything pertaining to fox hunts, which is fucked up. Uh, fox hunts are bad and shouldn't be happening, and fuck the British for doing this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. When you see that the Did scene of the. the the fox, you see, yeah. You see Brother Martin capturing the fox. I was like, leave that fucking fox alone. It's adorable. God damn it. Like, yeah. They are very cute. Um, so, as Peter is on a horse, he's like, what's blooded? And I love that his mom's like, you know perfectly well what it means, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Uh, yeah, just that so bad the audience stuff. knows what they're doing. Dude, okay, that was my problem uh, with, with Omen 2. There was so much of talk like that. Like the old lady, like mm-hmm. the aunt in the beginning of, of Omen 2. When she's like, well, as you all know, Gregory Peck was shot on a church when he tried to stab his son. And I'm like, yeah, people talk this way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> well, they, they switch foxes so they can lure Damien up to this bridge. It's kind of a dumb plan that because he goes up there and he also has like, what, 30 hounds with him as well. Yes. And so one of the old priests comes and he's on horseback. And then Brother Simeon comes up and he's like in a jeep and shuts the door. So Damien's trapped. And he Damien just looks at the horse. You know, gives it that old, you know, bombastic side eye to where the horse just throws the priest off of the bridge into so, the water dead. Cool story about this, about that that fall in particular. Um, apparently, I don't know if you saw any of this stuff, uh, but that stunt was done by a stuntman named Vic Armstrong who is a legendary Hollywood stuntman, um, probably primarily known for being Harrison Ford's stunt double on the, on the Indiana Jones movies. Okay, I was about to ask if he was like the Cliff Booth comparison. I mean, he's probably some some inspiration for him. But that okay. fall was the longest fall of his career. And he says that it like it scared him to, to death. Like it was like almost like nearly a hundred foot fall or something into the water. Wow. Um, yeah, and it looks really good. It's one of my favorite deaths of the movie, even though it's pretty innocuous. Like, it's not very bloody or anything, but just, like, seeing that, sure. I was like, shit, like, that is a guy doing that. Yeah. It's intense, right? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, the other one is just, like, <laughs> Damien just, like, sicks the dogs on Brother Simeon, and he can't yeah. get into the Jeep beforehand. Didn't pick up on this the first time, but 
but notice the second time is that's where he gets the blood. Yes, for which the is very creepy. Is that I like that. Yes. Yeah. Because then he rides back and Peter's like, oh, um, will you blooded me? Will it still count? And Damon goes, well, in my book. And then just, he does one cheek and then Peter grabs and like presses more into his face. Yeah. It's fucked up that it's human blood. Getting groomed. Yes. To be, you (laughs) you know, using modern terminology. Yeah, Jesus. Uh Uh-oh. Um, it, it is fucked up that it's human priest blood, but even if it was fox blood, still fucked up that the mom was like, it's, oh yeah, go ahead and rub fox blood on my son's face. Like, what very the fuck odd. is wrong with you? You never yeah. know what parasites are, are in those things. Yeah, they're exactly. Cute, but they're mm-hmm. filthy. Yeah. Um, we have, uh, Damien helicopters to the meeting. It's like in a big quarry, basically. It's right. where he's coming to all of his followers. He's got a lot, and it's, um... An interesting shot. It's interestingly lit in that it's almost like a, a siren light, and we're kind of getting like right. swooping visions of them. This speech but is we very see that they're yeah. There's like a people from all sorts of walks of life there. Yeah, right. You have like uh, mothers. You have a nurse. You have a priest. You have Cub mm-hmm. Scouts. It looks like, <laughs> which is just yes. really really insane. <laughs> um, but he's just basically saying like you got to go out. Kill the, the Christ child. Um, if not, you'll have Cub, eternal Cub damnation who, in heaven. Cub Scouts who played D&D once on a retreat, you know, and suddenly they're <laughs> enlisted in Damien's army. Yeah, no, because that, <laughs> right. that line really made me laugh of like, you know, if you fail, you'll go to heaven. And it's like, oh no, what a yeah. <laughs> what a consequence. The monotony of heaven. Yeah. And it's a thing, like he is... David Byrne is there. He writes a song about it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I like that one. Um, you know, Sam Neill's doing a good job. I just think the script is very poor. <laughs> yes. Again, it's just this flowery, flowery language that's not really giving us much of anything. It's very, you know, just um, empty calories-esque, yeah. you know? So we have all of the uh, people killing babies. You have the priest who does it in a baptism, that's pretty crazy. That's yeah. pretty metal. I love the reaction shot. It's because you don't really see it. You see him, like, maybe pouring yeah. water it into conf- the lungs it, or something. It confused me a little bit, and I, I just maybe have some, like, early 80s face blindness or something. But for some reason, I thought that this was Dean and his wife watching their baby get mm, baptized. No. But it's not. Right. It, no, it's the priest killing the baby. It's just the way it's shot is very strange. Um but you don't, the the mother's reaction yes. is ten out of ten because you you don't see the horror right. of realizing your child has died. It's it just is like kind confusion. of like from happy yeah. to confused, right? It's that it's that second it cuts right before the like oh shit my baby died, right? Uh, my the most disturbing of these is the nurse one because like that is a real thing. Like these these nurses that throughout there's been a, a few cases of them of just nurses yeah. that just for some reason, decide they're going to start killing babies when they can. It, it's really fucked mm-hmm. up. And uh, that one really kind of got just skin. unplugs the yeah. incubator. Like, right. very, yeah. yeah, very scary. Um, I love the Cub Scouts when they just show up at a door. It's like, hello, man, we're here to do our good deed for the day. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> this did, if this was, I think I'm pretty certain this whole thing is probably inspired by the Godfather montage, right, of Michael. Oh, like, orchestrating sure. the, the various assassinations with a baptism going on 
I said the mm. bad things was a part of it in this one, but um, yeah, you know they're curbing from the best here. Uh, Kate does a report on all of these deaths. I love how like she's reporting on it, but doesn't realize that they're all born on the same yeah. day. How do you not get that fact? That feels like something that is easily verifiable and like would stand out for sure. Bizarre because DiCarlo shows up afterwards, like at her home. It's like, hey. Uh, like I want to congratulate you on your perceptiveness. You actually right. realized it. Um, talking about how all of these are. Well, she asks him, "Like, are you? What is? Are you insinuating or something like that? That these are all murders?" And goes, "No, I'm stating it as a fact." Right. I like. I are like you suggesting. Car- I think DiCarlo's yeah. pretty great in this. I really like him. He's got a nice gravitas to it, you know. And I, I think he's got some really good lines, you know. Like, they think about, like, hey, he's like, I, I, you know, part of my religion is that I do not mischaracterize people. Like, that's a grave sin. And so, like, anything I tell you about Damien is thoroughly backed up and is the absolute truth. Yes. You know, I really, yes. I thought that was, that was good. Um, it's good, but it is him just giving exposition of yeah. the whole movie we've just watched and the two previous movies that if you were watching yeah. the third movie, hopefully you've seen both of them before. It's a little bit of my problem with the first one, too, and I feel like there was, I was reading that there was debate over how ambiguous to make the first movie. It's like, do we literally mm. want to make Damien mm. the Antichrist, or do you just want to insinuate that he's the Antichrist? But they were like, no, you know what? No, the Exorcists, like, they played it straight, and, you know, it's real possession in that movie. And so we want people to, to know for certain, yes, he is the Antichrist. And so my problem with that first one a little bit is that, like, you know, it's Gregory Peck going hunting down this mystery. We already know the answer to. We're already mm-hmm. absolutely certain from the beginning that Damien's the Antichrist. And so, like, there's not actually a, a lot of real mystery there, you know? But I don't kind of care for that one as much. And it's, But it's a similar thing in this one where Kate has to get caught up on stuff that we've been ahead of for, you know, two movies now. Exactly. Yeah. And um, Peter is learning this as well, or, like, hearing it, and just doesn't seem to care. Or it, or it drives him further into it somehow, yeah. Like, right. Because um, at that point, he's like, okay, yes, I'm a, now I'm a little minion for Damien, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calls him uh, on the phone, tells him, yeah. oh, you should follow DiCarlo. DiCarlo basically goes straight to Dean's wife and telling about all of this. And mm-hmm. uh, she has the great scene of holding the crying baby and, like, confronting him. Right. Of, like, I found the evidence. Yes. <laughs> Um, really weird scene with Kate, even after she's been told this, like, still hanging out with Damien, they're going on a nice little walk on his property or whatever. I feel like these were almost out of order, right? Like, these these scenes, because she does not seem to give a single fuck about anything that Carlo told her before. Right. And he says, like, oh, old Nick, uh, he's in this water, and seemingly makes her fall into it, but then saves her. To, I don't know exactly why, but then they fuck. But it also mm-hmm. then turns into rape. I feel like um, a moth. Consensual non consent, yeah. I guess, is the way to, to put right. it. Because she's like, well, he says, uh, she's like, you're hurting me. He goes, well, birth is pain. Death he, is pain. He does like a whole ASMR thing. He's like, birth is pain. Death is pain. <laughs> yeah. Beauty is pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she wakes uh, up and yeah, he's not up. there. He's sleeping in the weird room where the Jesus statue is. Naked. Right? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't Fully make any nude. sense. Mm-hmm. Right. She finds the birthmark, which, again, it's a it's a bad, like, 
not even effect. It's just the the, right, the representation yeah. of the birthmark. It's just very poor. In each movie, I think it's been very not well done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's when um, he confronts Harvey. Oh, the best like exchange like, in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Kill like, your son. He killed all the other kills. Yeah. But like your son is the only one left. I, I love goes, Harvey's For the reaction. love of God. I love the reaction. Uh, kill your son. What? Just like it's it's so <laughs> fucking funny. And yeah, this is where we've Dean already just killed does like not, sixty not kids, and right. this is where you're like confused. That's where he's about drawing it. the line. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, he runs home immediately, but I think this is a pretty great scene. Uh, Harvey's wife is ironing, I don't know, his white dress shirts. It's so crazy. She's had this revelation. She thinks her husband is a mass murderer of children. She just stays there. She does housework. Like, Mm -hmm. she's fine with it. I don't, I don't understand it, but a dog shows up. Those shirts are going to wrinkle, man. (laughs) You have to get it done as soon as possible. Yeah. It'll ruin the shirts. The dog shows up. She kind of shoes it away. But then the satanic command, they ne- they never really dive into the... Um, like the animal you know, control stuff? Yeah. Right. But and that's fine. You don't need to give us, you know, a, a, po- a plot per plot point of the movie. But I it, it was Crows and then it switched to the Rottweilers. Who knows? It was baboons she, in the first one. Yeah. She sees a really crazy, not well done, but a gray baby face on the baby. And she's God. scared until she backs so up funny. into the yeah. the ironing. And when, then we see like the baby's fine, but she starts approaching that baby with the iron. And Fucked. Fucked Dean up. comes in, and I love that we don't see the baby, but like we get his reaction to it. But also the way that the camera work is doing, like we see um, his wife, like kind of come across the foreground into the background. I like and that. And she yeah, kills him by, yeah, striking him in the eye with the iron. And but that probably I think that's wouldn't... a really good looking effect. It's still, I, but but it kills him instantly, just like on touch with the hot iron, well, just like life snuffed out right away. It's irons pr- it's, are pretty heavy, so I'm assuming like it's a it's a good connect maybe. to the face. Okay, you know? all right. It's gonna jostle the brain a little bit, but um, yeah. So the the baby's dead, and I don't understand it at this point. If all the babies are dead, why is well, because they the missed one still the, alive? because the priest found the one off screen and without saying anything, they got it somehow. That's Great. it. I, I Fantastic. Mean, that, yeah, it's, it's 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 really stupid. They should have made Harvey's baby the the child. They should have done that. Um, and just like saved it or or some like do right. Have the priest the, have the iron killing because I want the iron killing. I like have, that. Yeah, have that happen, but then like reveal that DiCarlo managed to snatch the baby or something, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you need. Cuz that's just that's what happens is DiCarlo has it at that at that monastery. Yeah. Do, do we know that? Like I guess that's Yeah, cuz cuz he's there he's there at the end of the movie. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we don't <laughs> There's nothing telling us that besides like Christ appears at the end. So DiCarlo is like, "Hey, uh, uh, Peter's with Kate, or Peter's with Damien, and she's like, I don't believe me. He's like, well, you better come with me. They go to that, like, destroyed monastery. Um, 
uh, what was it? She offers to lead the child. Oh, that's what it is. She comes to Damien's like, I will lead you to the child, but you must give me Peter instead. Let him go. Peter's like, well, it's a trap. He's like, well, that's fine. We can still make it work. They go there. DiCarlo has the knife. Um, and as he's approaching Damien, Damien basically just grabs Peter and like shoves him in the way of the knife. Mm-hmm. Pretty great. Yeah. Um, Kate's upset. He just grabs DiCarlo and then just throws him to the side. Doesn't he, do anything to kill him. The idea is that he's throttling him, but it kind of like with the the Dean death, it just happens instantaneously. Like, it's just like, throttled for two seconds, and I guess we're supposed to believe he's dead. Well, he's not dead, because at the end of the movie... In the end of the movie, we'll we'll get to it. So he, I guess Damien's walking to the Christ child to kill him. Kate comes in the back, stabs him. Um, He says, uh, Nazarene, you have won nothing, and then dies. Very anticlimactic, very dumb, in my opinion. But then Kate is, like, bowing over his body, and then you see, you don't see DiCarlo, but you see someone holding Peter. Yeah, I thought it was Jesus the first time I saw it, but then, yeah, then I was like, oh, maybe, I guess it's DiCarlo. Yeah. It makes sense as DiCarlo, and then they gets up, and then we get two different, like, scripture quotes. Just totally unnecessary. You need one or the other. Like, don't do both. Like, you do one, then you have, like, a little... You cut to a new scene, and then you show another one. Right. Real bad. Not not a very great the, movie. The music is way overblown, like, with, like, yes. angelic choruses here. And I guess I was reading that, like, Goldsmith intentionally did it to, like, be an antithesis to his sure. score for the first one, which has, the like, the satanic chance. It's called, like, Ave, Ave Satana, right? With Hail Satan. Um, and so this is the opposite of that, which makes sense, but it's just not really where you want this franchise to go. Like Exactly, think, because as we were talking with like part threes, is like what yeah. do you do? Do you just change everything about it to where kind of the points of the first two movies are the bad guy wins. We get to this point. So I mean like where I, you're like, is it going yeah. to happen? And then I, it does. I feel like part threes can often be an antithesis of the first movie, right? Like it's oh, it's a kind of the similar thing, but it's just reversed or situations are flipped and inverse, around. Right. Right. And right. it's kind of how this goes. Like you end the first one with, you know, uh Damien's assassin being foiled, then in this one the assassination is successful, right? And instead of the apocalypse being kicked off, it's it's salvation being kicked off. But the problem with that, though, is that, like, Damien just does nothing. He doesn't really get a chance to, like, we yeah. don't get a sense of what his apocalyptic plan actually is. And so the stakes don't really feel like they're there at all, you know? We, we, get, we get told that as the Christ child is born, he's losing powers. But we right. have, like no representation of his full powers right what it's like when they're diminished and it's like even when you go back to the revelations though like so it's of if things are playing out as they do in the bible he's supposed to cause <laughs> lots more untold death and destruction before like christ returns and kind of fixes things right like and takes the believers and all this stuff. So we assume the apocalypse is still happening if you're going by, like, biblical, you know, prophecy. Like, at this point... He said something about seven years, and that's how long he'd been in charge of Thorn Industries. Right. And, like... 
So I guess the death to he, the prophecy. So I guess the death he caused during his time in Thorn is is the biblical revelations, which is really lame. Well, we don't you see think, any of it then. He what he killed 50, 50 to a hundred thousand people in yeah. Israel off screen. Guess, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Something about it is just very disappointing. Like it doesn't fulfill the promise of that first movie. No, agreed. I agreed. It. It. Um. I. I think one of the issues is we go from five year old Damien to like twelve year old Damien to thirty two year old Damien. I would have maybe preferred like an eighteen year old Damien. Yeah. Like something as he's just going into college and. We have in the second one him realizing where he is, but I think like another one of is this even what I want? Like giving him more conflict about it, right? Of him falling in love with a woman, um, like a nun, maybe you know something something yeah. interesting like that, or like him being like, oh, I'm gonna go to seminary school, or, or like all these things. There's a lot more uh, potential. I I do like the kind of story plot of it of like. Oh, I'm I'm getting up in politics. I'm going to try to kill the Christ child. But again, a lot of the executions just very bizarre. Yeah. Let's get into final thoughts. What are we going to rate this out of? Knives. There's seven knives of Mikado. So like, yeah. I, I don't know. We usually do out of five. Um, so hmm. RC boats. <laughs> you got. Um, uh, bleeding Jesus statues? Is that too sacrilegious? Bleeding Jesus statues is not bad. Uh, you got blooded baby cheeks. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, hellhounds. Hellhounds are a big factor in, in the whole series, you know? I like hellhounds, so let, we're going to stick with hellhounds. Um, I think the plot gets in the way of the story, in the necessary times like we were talking about there is a whole like b plot of the movie about israel and like what was it the nubian liberation front i believe was yes. the, the name of yeah, it Yeah, correct yeah and it's like you needed more of that kind of in the foreground which may have been a problem with the second one as well like we get that alternate or you know that the plot of Thorn Industries taking over. We have someone who's actually understanding that pain, destruction, famine is profitable, and that if we get in the <laughs> the food making business right now, we will be leading the charge of not just feeding people, but like influencing them. Like if you feed their fill their bellies, they will follow you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need it maybe more of that to give him some more actual influence on the world. Like, we just keep getting told how important Thorn Industries and um, we have to beat the Red Cross there because we're better or we want to be seen as the, the more uh, holy entity in a way. Um it it does seem to work better as a story when he's either completely unaware of his powers, like as a child, or he's coming into them. Which kind of was getting into my like idea for the third one. If we do like 18, him trying to understand his powers, and then being corrupted of like, should I, you know, go to the light side? 
And then by the end of the movie, you just end it with like, no, 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 I am going to be the devil. I'm going to kill this woman I love to like put me further on this path of of being the Antichrist. Right. Um, Sam Neill's pretty great in the role, even if it's not a lot of great material to work with. Uh, a little less eyeliner, I think, would have been a lot better. <laughs> but, you know, you take what you're given. I think this is a 2.3 Hellhounds situation. It is, uh, again, so much potential, and it just gets squandered, yeah. unfortunately. I might have to match you almost exactly. Um, I might say 2.666, just to, like, you know... Uh, hey. Just to be... That's fun. Thematically relevant. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I... Let me... I'll go 2.333, then. Okay, perfect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that uh, there is some fun to be had in this. Like, you got some okay deaths, like, you know, uh, the, the burning guy, the, the gunshot, the falling off the bridge, being licked to death by by foxhounds. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's all okay stuff. Um, I think visually you got some interesting things here and there. Like, you mentioned the opening being pretty cool, and I do like the way that the fox hunt is shot. But it's it's so low small scale for for this franchise. I feel like the first one it does have a weirdly epic scope to it, um, where you see like there's there's big big things coming down the line if Damien survives. The second one, you know, it's a little more contained, I would say, but it still manages to like get a big operatic sort of aesthetic with the over the top deaths in that one. The deaths in two are yeah. fucking crazy, which really and- do help it out. Both of those are like globe hopping movies, yes. right? Like they we yeah. go different places. At least oh, and totally. like in the second one it's like, well, New York and Hampshire and like other places, but this one is pretty much just just London. England. Yeah, so right. then uh right, exactly. Um and I don't know, I think what you would want to see I think I would want to see something more of Damien in the political world, because that's what it's all leading up to in, in one and two, right? Like, that's the promise of the ending of the first one. The second one is all about that as well. Um, I can, can focus more on business than the second one, which I think is where it starts to go wrong. But, like, uh, the third one, you want to see him as, like, a politician who, you get a little bit of it, who's saying one thing, but is causing destruction and pain on the other hand. And I want to explore a lot more, because I feel like you could do something with that and as a, a criticism of politics however you got to remember this is the fucking reagan era man this is where like satanic panic of the 70s led to like you know oh we have to like actually win against the devil in our media i think you can't have that nihilistic yep. ending from the first one anymore now you have to actually see censoring music lyrics you know right yeah. exactly and uh I think this word just kind of falls apart. I think you kind of want a downer ending for these these movies. That's that's where their bread and yeah. butter is. Um, is that sort of like dark nihilism masked as like blockbuster fun? You know, um, that's what's what's appealing about <laughs> the Omen to me. So uh, I I do agree. Neil is good. I, uh, there's there's some ideas in here. I like Dean. He's a funny character to me. Um, but it ultimately just doesn't deliver you know, on what you kind of want from an Omen sequel. So, yeah, I'm going to say 2.666. It did give me some interesting thoughts. Again, whenever Damien is talking about, hey, you know, you can't, he says it to someone, you can't imagine the pain my father felt when he was cast out of heaven, right? And there's this idea um, that is explored beautifully in in uh, Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ 
about the role of like the betrayer right in in christianity so you got both judas Mm -hmm. and satan are these figures that betray their masters right and are damned for it but but they're kind of set up exactly and in land citation of christ in that movie like it is fully understood by judas what he is doing that in fact what he is doing is is out of a sort of love for jesus right that it's like, hey, you told me this is how things have to go. I don't want it to be this way, but because I believe in you, I, I'm going to fulfill my role. And I think that mm-hmm. exploring something like that for Damien would be kind of interesting. That like maybe you 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 introduce that conflict in him in the second one of like, is this what I want to do? But coming to realize maybe I don't have to be enemies with God. Maybe I am fulfilling a role and I, I don't know. I'm spitballing here. This movie is clearly not interested in doing anything that smart. Or introspective, right. so I'm wasting my I time think that's pitching a great, it. But. Yeah, again, I think that's a great if we do it at like 18, and we yes. have him coming into his own sexually. I mean, you know me; I just I want to see like <laughs> more like hardcore fucking. But it's, you want to see you want to see Sam Neil playing a teenager it. and fucking and fucking. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, we would get. Um, who would be good at that time for a right around that age? I mean, uh, it's a little, probably a, too, a little too young for Michael J. Fox. Oh, but yeah, yeah. A 19, if we do it a couple years later, like, I feel back to the future Marty McFly as Damian Thorne. I don't know if he ever got, fun. I don't know if he ever got really that risque in his, like, choices or roles, you know? Like, uh, he, he danced around he it, of course. But like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He never really got like explicit with his his like stuff. As far as I know, I haven't seen like Dark yeah. Hollywood. I don't know if he fucks in that. But um, oh well, it's PG thirteen, but it does have nudity. So yes, there are oh. there is fucking okay, by the end of okay. that movie. There yeah. you go. There yeah. you go. But uh, yeah, clearly like there's just other way other interesting things you could have done with this as opposed to like the the Jesus wins ending. Right. Uh, here's a question relating to part threes. Do you think this was just a cash grab? A little bit, kind of. I mean, I feel like even the second one felt like that. It's like, you kind of don't need it after the first one. I mean, like, you're kind of curious about what could happen, but I feel like that first one is such a fun ending because, like, you kind of already understand exactly what's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you fill in the blanks yourself, and so anything you see after that, you're kind of it's not going to live up to what you already imagined in the end of the first movie. So a little bit. I mean, absolutely. I think it's a cash grab. Yeah, I it's think. Like, I think this one much more than two. Like, I enjoy a lot of what two is trying to do. Yeah. Even even if like this one, it doesn't execute it as as well. Um, right. That that first one though, I think Look, is just, I, again. I, I think even the great first ending and like what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. The first movie is absolutely a cash grab too. It's it's capitalizing on the success of The Exorcist. Sure. Like, although I was reading, I guess it was conceived. The year the Exorcist came, actually, that even tracks even harder. But like, it, like the idea was conceived in 1973. That's when like plans for the for the Omen kind of kicked off, which is when the Exorcist came out, I believe, that same year. And so, like, yeah, already you're you're cashing in, you know, on the current trend of like say, Satan being a hot mm-hmm. commodity in Hollywood at the time. Like, even before that, you have Rosemary's Baby, like starting that whole sort of craze. I think right of that horror can be. I don't want to say elevate it because that's a right. whole other term now. But, but no, it can, but the, it can but, be mainstream. But at it that can be time, commercial. Right. But at that that's, time, that, I think that's the word. 
I think that was a way to elevate horror was to make it religious because it gives it this weight that so much of the country and the world like really cared about. Like people fucking yeah. loved The Exorcist and The Omen, the first one. Like those were huge, huge successes. And like we talked, I mean, major studios were backing these because like it people, it was in the zeitgeist and it was like, it was a way to give, make your movie like legitimate and add a dramatic mm-hmm. weight to it that people wanted. Um, and like a darkness that people were responding to at the time. So I, I think you're absolutely correct that this this was like that was like the sort of elevated horror of its day. That's talking about a serious subject matter, the apocalypse and God and right. evil. Yeah. It's not just like oh, teens getting hacked up for titillation. That was like the low rent horror of because the time. they have sex. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Greg, we have one more selection for Three Lie. Do you want to let us know what we're watching for next week? Yeah, I struggled with this. Uh, I feel like with your two picks, both satanic movies, both like big 70s franchises that, you know, um, had some lesser sequels. I'm going to go with another movie that is a uh, the culmination of a 70s franchise. I was thinking doing Day of the Dead, it's bookended with some zombies, but uh, I think I want to explore... Uh, Dario Argento's uh, Mother of Tears, the ending of his Three Mothers trilogy. Uh, you know, See, I did it last year too. This same shit again, again. I know you. No, no, no. This one's a legitimate <laughs> sequel. This one is legitimately a sequel. I. It's not the most connected sequel, but it is a sequel. <laughs> it is within the same franchise. It is. It is per the director. Um. You know, so you last, got last year you had a two in it, but it wasn't really a sequel. This year, there's no number. No, it's still a, it's. Still, I mean, look, technically, <laughs> final con. Look, we didn't even talk about that. This movie was released as the final conflict. It wasn't until mm-hmm. later that they added that only three to it. It was always a, even was, the titles yeah. in uh-huh. the in the that's the never actual Movie yeah. are just the final conflict, right? The original posters just say the final conflict. It wasn't until later that they branded it Omen Three. It was always a sequel to the Omen. There's no way around that. But it wasn't like sold as one in the market as a third, yeah. right? So this one, uh, long long legacy sequel, like you know, twenty or so years after Inferno, the second movie. Um, but it is a it is a sequel. It is the end of the trilogy. <laughs> Well, I'm excited. I have been trying to rack my brain. Did I ever see the original Suspiria or did I just watch the remake? I'm pretty sure I did watch the original Suspiria, but it's like, it's kind of clouded. I feel like yeah. I did, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to watch all of them just to, to give me a Hell refresher. Yeah. So yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have both Twitter and Instagram at Weekly Massacre. Uh, Greg is G Anderson19 on Letterboxd. We didn't even talk about you're actually Greg with a three. Oh, did we yeah. introduce ourselves? No, we didn't. No, I don't think we did. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so please. Hit us up. Let us know if you ever pawned the seven knives of Mikado. And how much they got if you. Your yeah. Birth, yeah, if your birth was prophesized. Or if the Antichrist ever gave you a remote control vehicle. Let us know. I want to hear from you. Yes. Uh, quick side note about Twitter. I am probably going to phase out Twitter. Um, oh, good. We I all am, should. 
Yes, I am planning to uh, move on over to Threads for the podcast. Yeah, Mastodon, so. Threads. We'll, yeah. We're going to start our own social media company. Uh, so fuck Twitter. Fuck Elon. Yes. And, and um, you know, fuck Zuckerberg, until... too, but Threads seems less well, yeah, and more true. usable at the moment. Yeah. Important, yeah. <laughs> until next time. Well, it's funny that we've been talking about the Antichrist, and then at the end oh, of the yeah. episode, you're like, let's bring up Elon and Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, liquidate the Nazarene. Birth is pain. Death is pain. Beauty is pain. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.